Okay, welcome to the Leaf Report podcast. Thank you to everyone who came out to the live show at the Rivoli last week. James, what's going on? Yeah, we had good audio from that show this time, too. Did you listen to it? It sounded pretty good. All I actually the, didn't this time. The people complaining can all... <laughs> but it, it was it was a lot of fun. So and we're going to do it again at some point this season. Okay, so the podcast is brought to you today by The Athletic. So if you go to theathletic.com slash leafreport, you get 40% off. It's two ninety nine a month. Um, there's tons and tons and tons of stuff to read. Basically, even if you don't like the Leafs, even if you don't like hockey, there's like stuff to read about basketball. Uh, there's really good NBA content. There's good baseball, football. There's like anything you could want. But I guess if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you probably like the Leafs because, yeah. I've got my finger raised. Yeah, but maybe you someone's... Like, you don't like hockey, but you're listening to the nichiest Leafs podcast possible. Maybe you're like sitting in a car listening with someone who likes the Leafs but like you're a fan of something else like you're a Golden State Warriors fan um so if you are the athletic is for you like I've had buddies who who didn't subscribe until like the last little while and they're like this is great like they're not necessarily even Leaf fans or hockey fans so I've actually I've got a letter going up tomorrow on the athletic marking the two-year anniversary of when I joined and it's kind of just like about the journey that I've gone through with the company and stuff like that and um it's it's basically like a thank you note to everyone. But one of the things I say in in the letter tomorrow is that um, the growth in Canada has become very organic, and it's kind of like word of mouth. And we're selling a ton of subscriptions just because people are either buying a gift subscription for their parents or their brother or whatever, and people are just finding out about us. So it's been really neat to see. Um, one of the other things I mentioned in the letter is that. Uh, three of our four biggest months ever in Canada have been the last three months. So September, October, November. And it's, it's been really neat to see that. Um, I was worried about that w- when we had initial success in Toronto in my first year, I was worried that we would like plateau and it would slow down at some point. Mm. You know, it hasn't happened. You know, we haven't really added a ton of new Leafs coverage in the last month or two, but we continue to get a lot more people getting on board. And it's it's been really, really neat to be a part of. Well, if you're like a Toronto sports fan right now, like there's there might not be a better time in like the history of Toronto sports than now. Like the Raptors are 1960s. <laughs> there were no, I guess I don't know when the Toronto Huskies started playing, but there were no Jays. The Leafs were the Leafs were good, but now like you got the Leafs are a top five team. The Raptors are a top five team. The Jays are going through a tough period right now, but like there's things to be interested in, and I don't know anything about FC or the Argos, so. But yeah, so check it out. If you are a subscriber now, thank you. If you're not, uh, it's 40% off theathletic.com slash leaf report. And of course, the podcast is brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame, as always. Um, so let's start with Austin Matthews. Um, we're not going to start with William Nylander, but we are going to talk about William Nylander because how can we not? Um, so Matthew scored two in Buffalo. He's got 15 goals in 14 games. Um the weird thing is, and Babcock pointed this out after the game in Buffalo, he doesn't even really look like himself yet, which is to be expected when you miss a month. But, like, the kind of pace he's on right now is just – like it doesn't feel like it's going to slow down. I think I, I, I'm thinking of what my next story is going to be on Matthews, and I think it's going to be how – what if this is real and what – the, the headline I want – I thought you should do Austin Matthews is good. Period. No, I wanted. I the headline I came up with last night was "What the hell is Austin Matthews?" or something like. So, 
you know, it, you, I think you talked about yesterday on Twitter that his shooting percentage is 30%. Obviously, that's not sustainable. Uh, but he can probably put up one of the highest shooting percentages in this era of players, maybe the highest. I think the highest previously was um, among guys that, that shoot the puck a lot was Steven Stamkos, and he's around like 16 17%. I think Crosby was around 21 year. Yes. At the peak. Right. So, like, I think you can do that for one year. Crosby, in general, is more closer to 15, usually, is what his, his shooting percentage is. Austin's for Austin Matthews, for his career, is, is I think, 16% right now, which is extremely, extremely high. 17. 17%. Well, it's, I mean, it's been going up every week here with what he's been doing. So. Well, he shot 18% last year. Right. So, continue. I think that he can be around the 20% mark. And he's also shooting the puck a lot this year, too. His mm-hmm. his shots per game, what's he at? Like about three and a half, I think? Yeah. So three and a half. You know, if you do the quick math and you put that up over 82 games, over a full season, and then he times it by, if he can shoot it, uh, uh, the math's getting harder. <laughs> harder. Harder to do in my head. Well, 82 by three is 240 plus another half, 280. Like, he, if he, let's say he has 300 shots at 20%, that's 60 goals. So it's not out of the question. I tweeted last night that he could get 60 goals, but I did the math wrong because he's obviously missed 14 games. He could probably get pretty close to 50 this year. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not out of the question. Well, because it doesn't feel like these goals are fluky. Like, it's not like a guy who's just, like, getting breaks. Like, you know, and, and like, to be no. fair to him, but it's not like, you know, when Kadri gets at one of those hot streaks and he's scoring, like, He's scoring in weird ways, and then he goes on a cold streak, and then he gets hot. This is like legitimately his shot that is scoring these goals. Do you know? Does that make sense? It just looks like the goalie's not even there sometimes. Like he just yeah. And the weird thing is, like nobody, I can't think of anyone who scores like that, like the way he scored that overtime goal. Who does that? Well, you know, Kessel's goals were a little bit like that in the sense that, like, the way... Remember the way he used to just... His was more like he would come down the right wing and, like, he would just catch the goalie off guard with, like, how quickly he got it off. But I think what's different that... And this is what people always said about Kessel's, that he would shoot in stride, like, kind of... And it was really hard for the goalies to read. And I think the same thing's happening with Matthews, where he, he can change the angle of... He's so big and strong and... He uses that stick technology so well. Him and Liner are the same. Like they're just they're freaks of nature. So um it's it's really something to watch. I mean, Matthews hasn't gotten to the point where he's a dominant two way center where he's great defensively and wins all his draws and all those kinds of things. Well he's been better in the faceoffs this year. Um but his shot is so good that I don't know if that all that other stuff matters. Well, and it's coming. Like, the one thing he doesn't have right now, and I was thinking about it this morning, he doesn't have that... You know how when he's going, like, even the start of the year, he comes down the middle of the ice and, like, it just feels like he has, like, an extra gear and he just turns it on. Like, he, it's like a freight train just going. He doesn't seem to have that burst back yet. And yet, like, you look at the games since he's been back, two goals, one assist, three points, one goal, then two goals, an assist in Buffalo, three points. And, like, you look at his game log for the year... He has a point in every game but four, and he has two points in every game but those – I'm doing the math wrong. But, like, basically he's he's getting two points, like, every night. I remember talking to some people. I wrote, I wrote a story in training camp. Yeah, I remember. Matthews. Fitter, stronger. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, everyone's in the best shape of their life, well, yada, yada. But it's like you – know, like, I know just from talking to them, I know a bunch of people in Arizona that he trains with and his former coaches and, and stuff like that. And they were all like – 
he is going to be another level. And then he came to camp and he looked ridiculous. And I just think that, like, if he hadn't have been hurt, he's he's tied for first in the NHL right now in points per game with Rantanen. Um, you know, it's it it's he's got quite a few assists too, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. I don't it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's the the question I think that we should come back to is how sustainable is it and like where the actual number falls that that makes sense for him. But I don't think it's out of the question. Obviously, he can win a Rocket Richard. I think he can probably win an Art Ross too, if he stays healthy for a full season. Well, like so, he's at twenty three points in fourteen games. And the big matzo ball in this is he hasn't had Nylander the whole year. Like, as as well as Kapanen has played, Kapanen is not Nylander. So, like, you start to envision, like, what happens when Nylander gets back and he finally gets going and Matthews gets going, like, coming off this injury. It doesn't feel crazy to think, like, like he's 13th in league. Actually, that's goals. He's only six back for the lead in goal scoring in the NHL, and he's missed half the games. Like, that's that's wild. Yeah. The thing, like, like the power play thing, obviously we should touch on too. Like, the ability he has to shoot the puck as quickly as he does in the power play, it's just like it's another dimension to his game that, like, you thought about coming into the year because, like, we expected him to be on their first power play unit. But then you see it and it's like, wow. Like, that is a whole other part of his game that just adds more, like, it, it gives him more opportunity to score and, and more opportunity to generate. Obviously, I mean, I if like the stats. If you look at even strength goal production for Matthews, are off the charts. He's way ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. McDavid is second, and Matthews is something like point seven goals per game, even strength goals per game ahead of McDavid, who's in second. Like it's just completely crazy. And I think that maybe Matthews, um, well, the injuries are the one thing. I mean, if mm-hmm. he didn't get hurt last year, he would have potentially led the league in goals or come very very close. Um, and then this year, obviously, the injuries again. I don't know that he's going to get the respect outside of the Toronto market until he puts it all together in a full season. And I think being on that top power play unit and producing more goals there is is a big component of that. Because if he doesn't have the power play goals, it's hard for him to keep pace with the line A's and the other guys around the league. Well, it's going to be interesting. Like, let's say he stays healthy the rest of the year and he ends up with 50 goals and 80 points. You wonder, like, how it would shake out as far as, like, heart trophy stuff is concerned. Like, you even look at the Leafs site right now. It's like, how do you pick a part who's been their most important between Marner and Tavares and Riley and Anderson? Anderson? It's like, I guess that's what happens when, like, your team gets good. But, like, if Matthews was healthy, like, you would think he'd be right there in heart trophy, whatever, at this point. It's probably going to be hard for a Leaf to ever win the Hart Trophy because they've got, like, five good players. Like, it sounds stupid, but that's kind of the way that it seems to work is that if you have a bunch of good players, they kind of split the vote to some extent mm-hmm. because voters have a hard time settling on who drives the bus in terms of success. So. Well, it's like the Malkin-Crosby thing. Like, how do you decide who's – how is Crosby the most valuable player if he has Malkin and how is Malkin the most valuable player if he has yeah. Crosby? It's It's like a thing in the NBA. Like, right now, like – Steph Curry hasn't been healthy the whole year, but, like, they have Curry and Durant. And it's like, how do you pick between Curry and Durant if Durant's the second-best player in the league, but Curry's more important to the Warriors? Anyway. So then does some other random guy from, like, the Denver Nuggets win? No, but, like, it it creates, like, James Harden won last year, which is fine. And, like, LeBron might win this year. Giannis, you know, anyway. LeBron might win, eh? 
I thought oh, yeah. the Lakers were disappointing. No, they've gotten on track. Kawhi might win. Like if the if the Raps finish with the best record in the league and Kawhi plays seventy games, did Vince ever win it? No, he was never this. Like he was never. He was like, like he, top five. No, he was never that. He really? was like top twenty. Okay. He was never like they've never had Kawhi. Like Demar was really good. Kyle Lowry was really good, but Kawhi is like top five player. He's like he's basically like what Matthews is to the Leafs in some ways, like as like potential. You know how the Leafs never really had that before? Like Matt Sundin was great, but he was never like a top five player. That's what this is. It'd be interesting to you know, we need to see more from Matthews and see what's real and what isn't and what's sustainable and what's not, but be interesting um where you do slot him league wide. That's kind of what I've been wondering watch him watching him. I mean he's pretty strong argument that he's probably top ten at this point. Right now? Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Like and the debate is like does he get to like second or third or there's so many good young players around the league right now, it's it's crazy. It's hard to weight what he does well against you know Well McKinnon. Right. As an example. Right. Or like, you know who's really good? Braden Point. Like, just like the sneaky under the radar. I think he's like 22. But like, the thing is, Matthews is 21. And like, there's not really a guy who's totally like him. Jack Eichel is right there. It's pretty interesting that McDavid's 11 points back of the scoring lead. Yeah. You would yeah. have won a lot of money if like you picked Miko Rantanen to win the Art Ross. He's so good, it. though. I remember that year he was in the AHL and he was just ridiculously good. So... I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he's got as many points as he does. But he's very, I like. Didn't he? Would he have eighty points last year? Mm-hmm. Like, if someone said to me he was going to get eighty-eight or whatever this year, that wouldn't surprise me. Super talented. Finland all of a sudden has just exploded. Well, they they did this thing. I remember writing a story about it for CP, where they started changing the way that they develop players, and they basically tried to develop skills. It's, it's in Murat's story about Patrick Laine. Did you read it yet? I have to read that. That's, what, I'm That's one of, what it's about. One of the things you can do with the athletic app that I like now is like you, you can, can save. Well, not now. You can save stories. So like when I'm on a plane or when I'm on the cab or actually not a cab, Uber. Um, I go back and read a bunch Sometimes of stuff. you get stuck in a cab now when you're in a city. Like I had to take one from LAX because Uber was like, it said like 28 minutes to get your Uber or whatever. Uh-huh. And so I went and took a cab and it's just, it's such a downgrade. <laughs> It's a disappointing experience. You ask them to use the credit card machine, they're like, it doesn't work. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and they take you to some sketchy bank machine. and yeah. <laughs> That literally happened to one of the guys in the road during this road trip. Anyway. It happens to me in San Francisco, and it drives me crazy. Okay, so moving on um, from Austin Matthews to William Neander. He signed. We don't... Actually, yeah. I was thinking about this. That was I know, fun donating my whole weekend to that. Yeah, but so like I know that was the <laughs> attitude I think most people had and probably even the people involved. I was at my involved. kid's swimming lesson in the stands like texting people and making calls. And... <laughs> but let's be honest, that was fun. Like it was interesting. As much as like you can you can be annoyed with it and, and I'm sure people were annoyed reading it and are listening to it. That is a really fascinating story and like a significant development for the Leafs and a significant, a significant development for the league that that happened. It's obviously good that it got done. What was kind of like your... When you left that day, what were you thinking about that whole situation? On Saturday or... Yeah, or even like Sunday morning when like you started to like... You wrote a story about it late Saturday. Like what did you... What was your kind of big takeaway from it? Well, so Monday they had Kyle Dubas and Neilander come into the dressing room and meet with the media. And I found that whole exercise to be really interesting. And they both talked for 15 or 20 minutes. And 
I don't know how you felt about it, but it seemed like kind of like Neilander it was part of like a maturation or, or growing process for him as a person and that he came out of it kind of you can just see I think you can see that that Neilander taking the next step and getting older and getting better and he he's both Dubas and Neilander were adamant that a lot of this contract is about what he's going to be and not what he has done already, which makes a lot of sense. And That's like the one thing like that frustrate not the one thing, many things frustrated me and like how this was covered. But like you're not just paying him for what he is today. Like you're paying him for what he's going to be. So when he's an eighty point player, like you, he needs to be paid like an eighty point player. Continue. Yeah, and I think that like seventy seventy five points. I mean, he he probably could have been there last year if he would have had more ice time than the sixteen minutes a game, and if he played more on the power play. So the one thing that I think is going to work against Nylander is that missing this much time out of a season is going to really hinder. I think his ability sure. to to do well this year and. Um, I know Eric Duhatchik has said that, that Gaudreau started really slow when he missed training camp. And this is more than missing training camp. This is missing... He's going to have missed 30 games probably by the time he gets back. What are they, at 28 now? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to have missed at least you know 28 games. So um, Nylander's talented enough that I think he's going to be able to get by. But I wouldn't surprise me at all if the first month of the season his, his point production is not there. Which doesn't really matter. No, in the, in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter. They have more than enough guys who can score, and what matters is that they're going to have him in the playoffs. You know what? So some of and beyond. Let me let me throw this at you. I, I mean, we kind of talked about this Monday when we were at the arena, but like the way that it played out is that it came down to half an hour left, and Neilander's like. He, he was really funny. He was like, "Oh, I guess I better make something happen here." It was like what he said. <laughs> I I think they were kind of waiting for the Leafs to to bend at the end there, and they didn't. And and you know a lot of people are saying the Leafs lost and Nylander won by holding out and all of this stuff, but it really felt like uh, at the wire, um, the Leafs made Nylander make the final move. Um, Can I just ask you who gives a shit? Like, who, why does it matter who won or lost? I don't. That's one thing I don't understand from this whole thing. Why why does there have to be a winner and a loser? The only concern and and it was a good question that Dubas was asked is that will more players in the organization look at what happened and say this is my path to getting the contract that I want out of the Leafs by going through this kind of grueling negotiation and taking it right up to the the final day um Kyle Dubas said you know he he really doesn't want this to ever happen again and he he said he looked at it as a personal failing and you know is I I don't it's it's hard to know from the outside exactly what they could have done differently, but the one thing I think is that maybe they should have been a lot more aggressive with Nylander a lot earlier, mm-hmm. and and put a lot more different contract options in front of him. In in I mean Dubis was hired in mid May I want to say, they should have been more aggressive in June July August, and then maybe the transition from of GMs and of regimes and they had to hire new staff and change the scouting, scouting staff and all these things, maybe they weren't as. Uh, as aggressive with Neilander as they should have been. It's also possible that Neilander's camp wouldn't have budged no matter what, right? Like it's possible they could have seen what they wanted, which is like eight million plus whatever, right? And said we're not moving until well, like you get to the absolute point where like you're not going to play during the season. Brian Burke was on the on Hockey in Canada on Saturday, and he said that this was a contract they should have gotten signed in September. And I know for a fact that Neilander's camp wouldn't have agreed to this in September you know the question is could you 
how do you force Nylander's side to come to this decision faster? Like, that's that's the question. Like, I wonder, some agents have said if Lou Lamorello was there, it wouldn't have gotten this long because he would have given them an ultimatum and said... He, he would have given them eight years. No, well... Just well Get it? I, Seven I, years. I wonder if Lamorello would have said if you're not in camp, you're not part of the team this year or something like that. And just set, like, a, a deadline that we don't want this to be a distraction. So this, instead of waiting till December 1st being the deadline, this is the actual deadline. Which is stupid. Well... Like, what is the point? Like... I know, like, we, we like these, like, shows of force and muscle and I'm in charge, but, like, the the ultimate thing that's important, and this is, like, to me, like, the new style of general manager that he kind of represents. It's, like, who gives a shit about all that stuff, like, showing well, your power and, like... It, it's not about that, though. It's about getting it done. And, like Yeah, but so, like, you tell Neilander if you're not in camp on... If you're not at camp, you're not playing the season. What good done. is that for the Leafs? Maybe it gets done. Maybe it Maybe. forces like oh, look at from Kyle. Let, let's take Kyle Dubas at face value, which I think we should. I mean, I think he's like Babcock. I think he tells you the truth. I don't think he's he's um, I don't think he's holding anything back. He said that he wished he handled it differently, and he's going to handle it different in the future. The answer, the question is, how do you handle it differently? What do you do? So I'm just like throwing out there that yeah. maybe that's one way you could force it to come to a resolution faster. And so then, what happens if Neander doesn't show up at camp in that situation? Well, then don't I, let him back. You, you have to follow through on your word. Yeah. So is that good for the Leafs? Well, I mean, Jonas, that almost happened. Well, the so way that's that it a, played out. That's another thing we should talk about because it almost happened. It almost happened. And I think the Leafs were fully prepared to let him sit if they couldn't get him to a number that was around seven. Okay, and so as much as like I believed and wrote that if they they couldn't sign him, that they shouldn't trade him, they should let him sit out the season. That would have been a really big loss and a big mistake. For both of them, from both sides, like yeah, and yet they were prepared to go down that route, which just well, to me seems. I don't think Neilander was prepared to sit the year. Well, the Leafs were. I yeah, that's which... the way I. That's the way Monday I came away from Monday thinking is that. Well, he said as much on Saturday. I asked him like directly, "Were you prepared?" And he said, "Yeah." Like, and given the timetable, it, it they almost Where... didn't get it done anyway. Whereas the Neilander side was like. I don't want to play in the KHL. Yeah, it, it, what happened when it came right down? I I. Guys on my beer league team and stuff were asking me about what's going to happen, what's going to happen. I was like, look, this is like a game of chicken. That's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And is someone going to blink or are they going to be stubborn until the end? And in the end, Nylander got a good deal out of it. Like, I'm not trying to make it sound like he mm-hmm. capitulated and whatever. But at the end of the day, Nylander wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Which is like what Mike Babcock was saying the whole time. Like, Well, and the other takeaway that I had from all of this is that Nylander's very sincere in wanting to play for the Leafs for a long period of time. Like, his agent, Louis Gross, has said over and over and over again that he really, really wanted to be a Leaf. And that part of why they didn't want a bridge deal is that he wanted to be locked in long-term as a Leaf. You know, he didn't want to have to worry that he was going to be traded every two years. He wants to feel like he's part of the core. And it sounds like as part of this process, well, we know as part of this process that, that Kyle Dubas essentially reassured him that yeah you're you're staying do you think it was a mistake for dubas to be so blunt in saying that i'm not trading you while i'm the gm like there might come a time where they might have to contemplate that like it's not out of the question that that like i'm thinking four years down the road or something well so like to tie this back again to the raptors this is like what sort of happened with damar not as explicit not as explicit yeah but, like, the the impression that we got from DeMar was that, you know, Masai Ujiri told him that he wasn't going to be traded. Now, like, maybe it was phrased differently. Maybe it was more implied than it was actually said. 
Um, but I don't, I don't think it's a mistake because like the one thing that you keep hearing or you kept hearing over these months with Neilander is that there was like this belief that they thought they were, that they were going to get traded. That well, Neander- I think all of that stuff, I want to say shit, all that shit in kind of like on message boards and on talk radio and all over the place about like his name was in trade rumors, bad trade rumors that weren't true for a long time. And I think eventually that wears on a player. I think they see it on social media. I think that... And Kyle would see that, right? Like he would see all yeah, that Yeah, the team... As much as like it's not true, like he would see that people are talking about that. And so like he's going to really know... Did, they didn't like it. Like they, they, the team found it very... Fr- I don't... I haven't had uh, Kyle say that to me personally, but I know as a... The management staff was not very happy with those rumors being out there all the time. Well, because like what happens is like suddenly the player sees it and sees it and sees it and he's like, man, they really... Maybe they don't want me. They must be talking to other teams and... Right. It's just like a weird thing in our market. So there was like a healing process that had to happen between... Right. And, Where it's and, like, dude, listen, like, I, I don't want to yeah. trade you. I like, and and the one thing that, um, that that totally doesn't make sense, and we talked about this a little bit at the podcast, the live podcast. Um, if if they ever get into a situation like where they need to trade guys, he's not the one you trade, and like that's why, you, like, you had some of the media members like talking about this and writing about this. Like, it's like there's a fundamental misunderstanding of like what you do when you build a team you don't get rid of the good young players and like this is basically what Kyle Dubas said I think he said exactly that I remember reading that in your story I believe and I heard him say it I guess that like like you want to keep the good the good players basically he said we don't want to get in the business of not having good young players so what people are looking at is the Leafs are top heavy in that they have a lot of the same elements if if you consider same elements to be high scoring forwards and that what they need is is a better defense and you know the the argument i made on monday is that that's not necessarily true there are a lot of different ways to win mm-hmm. if you have a lot of good players it's good to have good players the problem with trying to trade nylander for a defenseman is that you probably can't get a defenseman that's as impactful as as i hate that word because it's not actually even a word impactful um that's a word. English majors would tell you that's not actually a word. Well, they can stick it. <laughs> I'm an English major. <laughs> stick it. <laughs> you and I have debates about hyphens and all kinds of stuff well, all the time. I don't know how to use them, so well, actually I do now. Anyway, yeah, continue. I think, I think you got it figured out. If you see improper hyphen usage, put it in the comments on Jonas's stories. This is the kind of totally nerdy stuff that, that we talk about in, in the media industry. I lost my train of thought. Um can trading you, for a defenseman. Can you get a defenseman that makes as big of an impact in your lineup as William Nylander will? It would have to be a really good defenseman. Well, yeah. like the only one like I could come across when I was working on that one story about not trading him was like Dougie Hamilton. And even that one, like, I don't even think I wouldn't do it if I was the Leafs. And that's that was like the closest one I could come up with. Everything, everyone else, like you're just getting a decent player. Like you're not getting a, a star defenseman. Do you think maybe it makes more sense to put most of your money on forwards and and scoring and like your defense can just be like? Well, like, I also don't believe the narrative that like that's how it's going to necessarily be. Like we don't know what Rasmus Sandin's going to be. We don't know what Timothy Lilligren's going to be. Sandin looks good, man. Right, and like we also don't know what their team is going to look like two years from now. Like when Marlow comes off and like. 
maybe who knows what happens next summer like maybe they get Jacob Trouba like I don't know what their team is going to look like lots of lots of stuff can happen they can make trades they can move Kapanen they can move Janssen like they can move other pieces to get a defenseman you're not locked into this and like your point was right maybe you can win this way like the teams you pointed like who are some of the teams you pointed out in your story who've won without conventional number one they are winning this and they have a number one d so they're winning this way right now without matthews and nylander like they they have a good team they have a really good team regardless of who's on defense and i think in the salary cap era you're not going to have a perfect team you're not going to have what was that red wings team 98 red wings when they had everybody (laughs) or 2002 i think was when they loaded up with everybody Mm -hmm. like in pre-cap era you can have everybody you're not going to have that i mean you're going to have some areas on your roster where you're not spending as much money and you need to decide what those areas are and the one thing that I think gets lost a lot is that the Leafs only have one year where their salary cap situation is a problem. Yes. The salary cap is not a problem this year. It's not a problem in 2020. It's, it's next year. It's just next year is a problem. So yeah. they need to come up with a creative solution for next year to either trade. I think even moving someone like Brown, even though he only makes $2 million, and mm-hmm. putting, you could put like a, like Ennis is only making six fifty this year. Mm-hmm. You could, Trading a guy, that frees up another $1.3 million. Um, probably can't keep Gardner. I guess the question is, how do you get better if you lose Gardner? Is, is that, that might be my only concern looking at the cap situation next year. But long term, their cap picture is really good. Mm-hmm. Unless, I don't know. Is there anyone coming that's going to get a huge contract? Not, not really. Like, unless you think Dermott's going to be worth five million or something on his next deal, which doesn't seem like that's coming. Well, like basically, for it to work, those guys have to be good. Like Dermott, if you're going to let Gardner go, he has to be good, and Sandine has to be good. Like you have to hit on you have to hit on your picks. Um, but like when you get into a situation where you look at your roster and you're like, we're not good here, but we're good here. We got to get rid of this to get that. That's how you end up becoming the Edmonton Oilers, and that's how you trouble, yeah. that's how you trade Taylor Hall to get Adam Larson because we have to get a defenseman and we have to change something. That's how you f up. Yeah, so. you can't make a bad trade in that situation to address a positional need. You're better off being top heavy than I mean, unless you unless it's in goal or something where you can only play one goalie at a time, then sure. that that doesn't make as much sense. But you know, with forwards, I mean. The way Pittsburgh won was you you want to have three good lines. I think you need three good lines. I mean, you look at the teams that their third line is a bit weaker. They have a hard time in the playoffs when you're playing against other teams because it means your third and fourth line are playing a huge percentage of the even strength minutes. And, I mean, we saw it against Buffalo. We haven't talked a lot about their recent games. We saw it against Buffalo where the Leafs' fourth line was on the ice. They barely played. They played like five minutes last night. Well, they got scored on twice. They got scored on twice. And they looked terrible. And... I don't know what they were thinking with Goche as a winger. It, he well, looked, you didn't have a choice. Who were you going to play? They didn't have anybody else. Yeah. Unless they called. They well, actually, they couldn't I, even you know, have a roster do, spot. Go, go 70. You, know, like, you can't play Goche on the wing. Or they should have just kept Lindholm on the wing. Yeah. I, I think what they were doing was strong side, weak side face-offs, maybe. They were, they were flipping Lindholm and Goche at, at, at the, down the middle. But Goche wasn't covering the point on the one key goal there. So, uh, anyway... I, I, that that that's a good uh, segue into to Levo, and then maybe we can leave it there after that. Okay. Well, so Josh Levo is traded to Vancouver, and I should remind you one more time: the podcast is brought to you by the Athletic. Again, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. All lowercase. All lowercase. It's forty percent off, two ninety nine a month. There's going to be tons that's, of that's stuff. Two ninety nine US. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Oh well, 
It's like, so it's, it's like three forty or something Canadian. It's not. It's not very much. It, it's worth it. It's, it's like le- it's like two cups of coffee less. It's like a cup of coffee and a donut, Canadian. Um, so Levo traded to Vancouver. I don't think this is a huge deal. Um, I think I I. What would if, you have, What would you have done? Who I like what it represents as like a humane side of the business. I thought one of the things I, that Lou Lamarello did poorly, and lots of people congratulated him on this, but like he in some ways like dehumanized the players a little bit. And Josh Levo was a really good example. Like he was allowed to have his career basically shrivel up for three seasons when it was clear that Mike Babcock wasn't going to play him. And to what benefit say, to say, the, right? Well, to what benefit to the Leafs? Frankie Corrado, same thing. Like these guys are humans. Like they're. This is their livelihood. Like they, this is the career they have. And for guys like Levo and for Corrado, they don't get like they're not Matthews. They're not uh, Neander. They're not going to make a ton of no, money. I mean, and like this Levo is like their career. One bad half season away from being in the KHL or whatever. And right, and like he'll get to a point where he's thirty three, thirty four, and like he'll be done with hockey, and like that's it. Like that, this is his time to make money. So I don't like that. And I think what Kyle Dubas basically said is like he told Levo. And I think you reported this in the fall. We, I, I told we we talked about this on the podcast. I said that yeah. I had heard that it was in like May or something that that Levo went to him and said, you know, I don't like what's I don't I don't really want to like he's hits he had already signed. He's like I don't want to be here if I'm not going to play. And the guarantee was made that if he wasn't going to play, they were going to move him. And he didn't get sat for a single game. So hmm. that's not just falling through on a guarantee. That's I I think I would have moved. I would have put on waivers Marinchen or Hall or Goat and and kept Levo and you rotate him in the lineup and but that's not what that's the problem with that is that's not what would have happened and you can't force Babcock to play guys I think I probably would have put Hall on waivers because it's pretty clear Babcock's not going to play him yeah, but he's, I, he's getting Levo and Corrado right now he's yeah, playing so one that's, game that's a tough situation too and like that kind of counteracts my other point although not really because he's still in the NHL. Um, Hall's but the pro- older and he's played what yeah. five years in the AHL and like he's, he, you know he's I I think Hall is happy to be in this situation which sounds weird but yeah. I think like he's glad that he's he's done what he can in the AHL and it's time for him to see if he can if there's an injury and he can step in. Well, the problem with waving Goche is they don't have any more centers, so yep. you have to keep Goche. They they literally don't have any other centers who could play in the NHL. Yeah. Um, the other thing is. No I know you claim Hall though. You could send him down and just you could, you could bring him up from the Marlies. And... I'm not sure that that's true. I'm also not sure that that matters. Like, so you lose Justin Hall waivers. Like, it's not a big deal. Right. Um, the one thing is with Levo. I know like there's this idea like okay now they're down a winger and like what if they need a winger? They have guys in the Marlies who can basically do the same thing. Like you can play Trevor Moore, you can play Carl Grundstrom, you can play even your buddy Pierre Engvall. Like it's not that big a deal. It's time to open the Engvault. <laughs> First part of the day. It only took like I had some earlier ones that I just I held them in. Good. Keep them in. But I guess the point is like it's not that big a deal. Like so like they, like they have if they need a fourth line forward, they Didn't can get like a fourth line. Did you like my Alfred forward. Hitchcock video where he said puns are the highest form of literature or something like that? Did not see it. Puns are like Dr. Seuss, like you know, it's I love Dr. Seuss, but that's he's very much like play on words and stuff like that. I, I've always loved all that stuff. 
I always wrote like weird songs and poems and stuff. I could have been, I could have done wow. a, I could have had a weird Al career if, like, <laughs> if uh, I had put my heart into it. Weird Myrtle. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Well, I, people probably don't know I play guitar, and, or at least I used to. Okay, one last thing before we go. Um, Seattle is going to be the thirty-second team. Seems like too many teams. But that's another. Too many teams. That's another story. Um, and it's also they're not coming until twenty twenty-one. Like, well, they're not ready. I know, but it's like... I don't know why anyone thought 2020 would happen. Key Arena is old, dumpy. I've spent a lot of time in Seattle because I grew up in, in BC, obviously. And, um, you know, it's... Hockey, the hockey culture there has grown a lot from where it was when I lived out west. And that's going to be, I think, key. And it's also an extremely wealthy part of the world. Have you spent much time in Seattle? I've actually never gone. I've wanted to go for a Mariners game for a long time. I just never have. It's um, well. I hate to break it to you, but I'm probably going to take that road trip when they get a team. That's <laughs> okay. If we're still doing this, <laughs> if people still are still subscribing in 2021, I I think it's if you look at at markets to go into in the U.S., it's the best one that that's available. There's nowhere else that that makes any sense. But you know, I would argue that a second team in Toronto makes more sense. I would argue that. You can probably move some of the existing American teams, and I don't really want to get into which ones. Um, there's still a lot of talk, a lot of rumors about potentially uh, the Coyotes ending up in Houston, and I know they got they're getting moved to the Central Division, which is only going to well, further that talk. Houston's like one of the five biggest cities in North America, I believe. Right, but do they care about hockey? Probably not. Do but they the owner care in Arizona, the owner of of the the Rockets wants another tenant in the building, and that that often plays into, you know, if you can find an owner or not. Do you want to talk about the expansion draft or no? We could talk about it a little bit. It's just it's hard to tell who's going to be by in twenty twenty one. It's hard to tell. Like, couldn't someone like like let's say Sandine makes the Leafs next year? Like, he could be eligible for the draft, right? And then yeah. they they would have to protect him. What is it if you've played two seasons or three or something like that? You're eligible, mm-hmm. so it's it's hard to know who the Leafs potentially would have to protect or expose. I mean, like like Frederick Anderson's contract is up in 2021. He might not be their goalie beyond that point. I mean, I know he's playing well, and I know you want to keep him, whatever. But you know that could be an area where they decide to 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 make a change. So it's it, it's hard to know who they're going to have to protect. I mean, I think that Tavares, Kadri. Uh, Matthews, Marner, Nylander are kind of no-brainers. Um, you get to protect seven forwards in 3D, right? So Yeah, but you might even get into a situation where, like, Kadri's 30-something at that point, and, like, maybe you don't protect him. Like, I don't know. That's just why it's hard. And, like, maybe you protect... Anyway. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Andreas Janssen at that point is is, right. is a star. Or, you know, maybe he's had a 25-goal season and you really like what he can do. And maybe Kappen is a big piece or maybe maybe they open the ang vault and he tears it up and and you you're going to want to protect him. So. I think the point the bigger point is unlike this past one they will lose a player who matters. That's that's what it'll probably come Yeah, to. I mean if you're but that's good because you're a good team. I mean it's better to be a good team and lose sure. a good player than to be a where they were last time. Or you try to do like Steve Eiserman jiu-jitsu and you try to like you trade something for something and you get a piece sure. Well, that was a good trade that they made. It was made. an amazing trade. Right. Not only did they, like, so that was the Sergachev uh, Drouin. And so, like, not only did they get Sergachev, who immediately became one of their top space. four, they got cap space, and, like, they were able to protect one more guy, 
or like they were able to protect Nemestikov, and then they traded him to get McDonough, and then they signed him to a crappy deal. Didn't so. they trade Nemestikov for Miller? Yeah, in the McDonough deal. That was the same deal. Oh, okay. Confused. I believe. Anyway, anything else you want to mention? Uh, Buy a gift subscription to The Athletic and send it to everyone you know. Yeah, theathletic.com slash league report. And I'm looking at the Saki Hall of Fame website, 10% off with the discount code LEGENDS. And there's a Joe Sackick pair that looked pretty good. I was a Joe Sackick guy and not a Peter Forsberg guy when I was a kid. And now I kind of regret it because now I like Peter Forsberg better in hindsight. I, so, like, I like both of them. They're both great. Sackick like, was a legend in BC because he's from Burnaby. So he was a hard guy to, to cheer against. Yeah. I don't know. That team was like just ridiculous. Those yeah, so it was teams. kind of frustrating. I didn't like those teams back then because they had such an advantage uh, financially over... Like, I like I was always rooting for kind of the underdog teams, like Edmonton going up against Dallas all those years. And mm. I wanted the Canadian teams to stay in Canada, and I wanted them to do well. And, and people say I'm, I'm, I was a Leafs fan. I was actually... I always cheered for, like, the small market teams. I like the underdog teams. I like the dominant teams. <laughs> you cheered for Colorado back then? I didn't like I that's a team I like to watch I was a kid anyway so thank you again for listening uh check out the athletic athletic.com slash sleep report and the Saki Hall of Fame and we'll be back next week it'll be a road podcast so hopefully we can make that sound better than the last time uh, I will be in Florida so tough for you James that's okay I got the Vegas trip later this year boo thanks for listening mm-hmm.